ain't no money in poetry That's what sets a poet free I've had all the freedom I can stand You got your cold dog soup and rainbow pie All it takes to get me by Fool my belly till the day I die Cold dog soup and rainbow pie I wouldn't want to live in the big city All that cruel, ugly violence wouldn't be pretty They say many precious lives are lost As gangs fight to win at any cost And that terrible, dirty, polluted air Oh, I hope that I never live there The new ideograph of the small town is a creep show Decorated with the downtrodden and hopeless dregs of a society that has long since forgotten them what was once regarded as quaint and quiet is now exposed and isolated and unpredictable. This type of narrative makes for a condemning ideograph that can unjustly be applied to a great deal of the country. Belief in this ideograph can lead to a collective thumbing of the nose at small towns by the elitist of a metropolis. This causes a retaliatory attitude in the small town resident that reflects in the inadequacy in which such a narrative equates them. This repeating pattern exists all throughout the United States. The result of its repeated propagation is an ideograph that has the small town as inferior and the inferiority leads to lower standards of living in these areas as well as an attitude that fuels hatred for larger cities. The end result is a nation divided where each half believes that the other half is living the wrong way. I grew up on one side of the river. I was a distant, dangerous drifter. Moved over to the other side of the river. Now I'm a drop and a deluge of hipsters. Those are lyrics from Titus Andronicus's In a Big City, which is a very good song. Um, is that a Russell Crowe? We're gonna, we're, gonna cover, uh, we're gonna cover a poem of a similar nature today um, that is about the, the, dis, the, the, uh, the difference in attitudes about big cities versus small towns. The boys on this smodcast Grew up in well, I mean, it's it's odd if you if you take us and you compare me to the other two. I grew up in a very small place compared to the larger place that that they grew up in. Um, but if you ask them, I would imagine you boys feel like you probably grew up in a small town, right? Yes, I think yeah. So, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I grew up in a cow pasture in Muscle Shoals, mm-hmm. Alabama, and they grew up in the big fancy fucking city, the Rocket City of Huntsville, Alabama. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't have a problem. You, it, which, like you know, um, it was rocket envy to a degree, which is mm-hmm. so well spelled out by Patterson Hood in the song "Putting People on the Moon," where you know all the news, the news stations were all based in Huntsville, and so it felt like everything was so centered there that our little oh, yeah. edge of the world didn't when, quite. When the the local news stations throw it over to their Shoals Bureau down here, oh, oh God, my yeah. God, I and it's just some poor person <laughs> in like a cardboard box. Yes, I also hate it when they throw it over because of weather coverage. They interrupt because we got a storm like four hundred miles away over in Florence, and it's like just just you show me. You don't my know a lot about distance, but that's fine. <laughs> <Four hundred miles laughs> away. Um, 
better than when they throw it to like the Decab Sand Mountain. Oh God, how far Ooh, away is yeah. that? And are there mountains of sand there? Um, well, there is an A Rab Alabama. Around yeah, there, there is so an A Rab. There is an A Rab. Um, oh. But this thing, this thing uh, came across, um, and it's sort of a, a thing in two parts. There's sort of a traditional poem element to it, and then there's like some spoken word elements, more like a slam poem. Yeah. There. Uh, anybody other than me want to crack at reading this, or are you just champing at the bit to read it? Read it because I certainly will. I'll but do I want to give I that opportunity. You haven't done one in yeah. a long time. Hell yeah, Creole, get after it, baby. All right. So this poem is called The Big City. I wouldn't like to live in the big city. All that cruel, ugly violence wouldn't be pretty. They say many precious lives are lost as gangs fight to win at any cost. And that terrible, dirty, polluted air, oh, I hope that I never have to live there. I'm going to pause you right there, girl, because this next bit is super wordy and long. Um, it is. We can kind of a, we can attack it as we go through it. Um, but there was something that, something that really resonated, apparently, with me, because this was the first time I was motivated to, like, really dig in and knock out a production piece, which you people just heard. Mm. Um, first in Great a while, job, there, the was just, there was something about it that this sounded a lot like a Tupac song to me. Um it just had. I don't, there was something in it that that struck a chord. So that's the the route. There's definitely I took some with it, some street factor that I'm picking up on. That whoever, yeah, yeah, whoever composed this, like they've been there, man. They've been there. They've lived it. There's some. Grit. Yeah, it did feel like they <laughs> no. had lived. There was there was a grit to this that that it felt like this person, while they were sort of de- mm-hmm. decrying the big city, it felt like they they knew a lot about city life and kind of were maybe sick of it. Yeah, it reminds me of that that uh, Jay Z and uh, Alicia Key song, New York, like concrete jungle where dreams are made of. Like they're there, but they don't want to be there, but they still like it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's the rose that sprouted from the concrete, which is another Tupac thing, you know. You, mm. you poetic justice. Yeah, uh, Jason's lyric, um, the ba- uh, uh, the 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 best man, Jason um, Patrick. Um, Body like ah, damn it, the wood. <laughs> the uh, so yeah, the Krill. What on that first part there, Krill? What do you like? What are your What are your thoughts on it structurally? Uh, this so far, this work, I guess we'll call it part A, does a lot of things that a lot of the poems on this podcast do not do, which rhyme has a short synopsis. I know what I'm getting into. I'm in there and I'm out and I'm satisfied. Yep. We yep, we very rarely have anything like this. We have a lot don't of make me think too hard about it. Just no. Th- throw me some words. Make sure they rhyme. Yeah, make sure they throw rhyme. Me some That's words, all. Make we're talking sure about poems. Rhyme. We're not talking the Kanye about West story. Anti poems, <laughs> and they aren't like uh, these little the little trick poems that Hankins has thrown our way. <laughs> and it's very concise, and there's rhythm to it, which never also never happens. I I, I have to say that. I love this poem. I'm surprised. I thought the way you were talking, it was going to be a switcheroo. Yeah, yeah, you said you had some things to say. I thought you really wanted to put sink your teeth into this one. Yeah, this is. Oh, I, I think I think what whoever this author is that wrote this plays with us. Oh, okay. Obviously, mm. the first part, part A. Yeah, yeah. Decrying the big city life. Yeah, 
it's simple, it's, uh, it rhymes, it's easy, they're short sentences. You know, stuff like a simpleton would like. Thank God. Yeah. <laughs> or right. Yeah. But that's, like, what, that's like, what we need sometimes. Like a hayseed, I mean, like a yeah. redneck, like, yeah, yeah. you know, someone who doesn't want to think too much, stuff right, like right, that. Right, right, right. And then the second part is full of all of this archaic bullshit see yeah i hate wordy the for the part. sake of being hate, wordy yes. elitist mm-hmm. crap mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like somebody in a big city would be yeah. looking down at people yeah who rhyme their poems yeah and mm. there's so much of a douchebag that they use the word ideograph three times yes they clearly don't have a very large vocabulary, vocabulary. because they're reusing words but the um, the amount of words that they do know it's just they're gonna well, throw let's it at let's you get into times. let's get into part B then a little bit. Um, it okay. starts with um, I I pronounce that word ideograph. I don't I don't I'm not saying one of us is right or the other one's wrong. Um, I already forgot how I pronounced it because I didn't yeah know. you said ideograph. I don't know. I've never heard it used in You're right. in You're conversation. Right. <laughs> but the new ideograph and this is delivered sort of rapid fire um, as more like spoken word. Like I said, like a slam poem. It doesn't have a real poetic structure there's no uh no sense of aa bb or any of that there's no structure to it it's just the new ideograph of the small town is a creep show um decorated with the downtrodden and hopeless dregs of a society that has long forgotten them uh, <laughs> is this a bruce springsteen song well, new ideograph of a small town is a creep show decorated with a downtrodden and hopeless dregs of a society and has long since forgotten them. This I went some... to the factory. What have I done? <laughs> this is something I don't like to admit very often. Uh, I don't know what ideograph means. I looked it up. Um, it's just, I... It just means like a novel concept, an idea of something. Okay. Yeah. Just the novelty idea of a town, small I guess town. I'm just but a they're yeah. they're sort of they're sort of playing on, you know, used to be. Uh, it gets into the, more of the next line was, what was once regar- regarded regarded, what was once regarded as quaint and quiet is now is now exposed as isolated and unpredictable. Um, they're kind of playing with sort of the the leave it to beaver idea of what small town life the mayberry of what small town life it was simple and and there was sort of uh there was an innocence to it that now you kind of look at it through a different lens and it's it's scary out there in the flyover country you know it's it's, so isolated isn't necessarily a good thing but so i understand that but is unpredictable like a it's a bad thing i guess yeah, like I think I think that the the idea that I took from it is like that's where a meth head will will hit you in the head with a tire iron and take all your copper wire off your person. <laughs> <laughs> oh, if they strip this body for copper wire, if you're a person who walks around with a lot of copper wire on you, you better look out if you're in fucking Evanston, Indiana. <laughs> um, it makes for a condemning ideograph that can usually be, or excuse me, can unjustly be applied. To a great deal of the country, belief in this ideograph can lead to a collective thumbing of the nose at a at small town by the elitist of a met, of a metropolis. That is where I have an issue. <laughs> this isn't like this isn't a poem. Like Creel and I, I'm he, groaning. Creel I hate and I this. could not be more far apart on what we like in poetry. Matt likes mm-hmm. structure. I don't, or I I appreciate when when there isn't any. 
this is just a bunch of words thrown together. This is just somebody who like forgot they were writing a poem. Yeah, I think... And then the, starts yelling at you. Yes. What I, <laughs> the comment I would like to make is, are you guys familiar with the TV show Green Acres? Pleasantville? Yes. No, Green Acres <laughs> from like yes, the 60s. Yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, like the, the, theme, the theme song to it is very short and sweet. Like, mm-hmm. Green, it's it's big, big city life versus country life. That's yeah. what the song's all about. Yeah. And that's sort of the mishmash of the show is, you know, they used to live in New York. Now they're down in whatever... Green Acres farming it up. Yeah. It's very funny because it's these classy people coming to the small town and all the comedy that happens. And I think that there's no comedy in these altering viewpoints here. No. We have something very simple and innocent and good juxtaposed with like this wordiness, cumbersome, Just, get to the point, what are you talking about at the, in, in the second part, part B. Um, if, if the author is trying to make you dislike both people um they they probably could have like evened out the objectionable language yeah, yeah. like made it like i mean the second one just sounds like a douchebag the big city mm-hmm. sounds like a douchebag yeah mm-hmm. well i don't i took a different i didn't get that feeling from it um because they're talking about the the change in how we viewed small town um, I don't think that they're saying that this is necessarily the reality of it. I think they're speaking mm-hmm. more to the um, just the difference in the good old days versus currently. When do you, you think, when you, I was going to ask, do you think this is written by someone who, like, you know, first they didn't want to be in the big city, and then they moved there, and then they're looking back and they're like, oh, the the small town is just as bad as everyone thinks. Or maybe grass they, is always greener. Yeah, the grass is always greener when they're not there. That is entirely that's possible. Um, this causes a retaliatory attitude in the small town resident that reflects that inadequacy. Um, with <laughs> this causes a retaliatory attitude in the small town resident that reflects that inadequacy with such a narrative that equate they, they, that the narrative equates them. They're speaking more of of the narrative itself and how we look at small towns now. Um, this repeating pattern exists all throughout the United States. The result of its propagation is an ideograph that has painted the small town as inferior, and the inferiority leads to lower standards of living in that area, um, as well as an attitude that fuels hatred of larger cities. The end result is a nation divided where each half believes the other one is living the wrong way. So, yeah, what they're getting at is we're we're sort of all it's, i guess it's just talking about the divide between the big city is and small town a poem <laughs> i don't know Are what it sure is that the second half of this is not just a seems to be critical like... analysis of the first half and itself at the same time <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's like a riff on a riff man this is i think we deep insights I think we we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Where like you know, uh, this is just uh, this. Uh, his name's Norm Hull because yeah. he's a normal guy. <laughs> but that's something that that's for the critics a hundred years from now. It almost seems like a Frankenstein's monster or something. That the second part is sewn on in such a haphazard way that and it's afraid of fire. Yeah, and it's and it definitely... probably choked. A, it choked a little girl one time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. the strangler. Mm-hmm. <laughs> strangler. So, um, um, Creel, anything you want to tell us about the first part? I will say that part A <laughs> is phenomenal, and the reason it is is because I wrote part A but! when I was 10 years old. What? When I was 10 years old. 
get the hell out of here. And then I, I gave it to Hankins, and I said, hey, what do you think about this? And Hankins says, I think I know what to do. And he done did it again. Oh, you know what they say. Because he found Hankins the... did it again. Wait, the, what is the second part? I don't know. That's something oh, Hankins found. Oh, that is interesting. Um, it's probably from Dr. Ben Carson or something. As, as I was... Uh, as I read Creel's thing, uh, this work immediately came to mind. This is actually something I'm very familiar with. Um, because all the second part comes from my senior thesis. <laughs> oh, fuck. oh, no. <laughs> you used ideograph so many times. So you, many these, times. Was this a uh, paragraph, or is this just separate thoughts from all it the is, cut and pasted? It, it is me rounding into the end part. Um, it is all the parts that are not specifically about the movie, the Harmony Kareen movie, Gummo. Um, I cut those out because it would have been a dead giveaway. Um, but ah. this was sort of, this was... This was me talking about the movie Gummo and how it sort of cast this difference um, in big cities you and, get and like small towns. Like a three hundred out of three. Perfect scored <laughs> fucking perfect on it. So for you two dicks who are sitting here talking about how bad it is, a college professor thought it was a perfect. <laughs> you used ideograph so many times. Yes, you need to control F ideograph and replace it. That, that was uh, that was something I came across in the research. I don't, I didn't know what that word meant then, apparently, and because I, I certainly didn't know what it was last night when I was reading. I was like, I don't have a fucking <laughs> clue what an ideograph is anymore. But apparently, it really fit with the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, it must be some uh, some. But yeah, let's let. So that that was the whole reason I did that this way was to get to the part where me and real could talk about our writing stuff man hank has done did it again <laughs> yeah man, so Grill, how old did you say you were when I was you wrote this 10 years old it was wow. in may of 93 and what is this published in because uh, like- we had to we had to do like a, a poetry project where we had to write a couple poems and then find a couple poems and then get some peers to give us some poems and we put them in a little book and like it was our end of the year english project for fourth grade. Oh, I think I remember this. Yeah, because I, I showed you, a, I showed Sean a couple from a, like another year. friend that yeah. that was had contributed Hawaii. to Hawaii. Yeah, his the poem Hawaii was about poem. Hawaii. Oh my god. Well, anyway, I will like to say that it, first of all, I hate writing anything, so I hated having to do this. Uh, you so, had to give like a, a speech. Yeah. Two years ago. Yeah. And you hated doing hated that. it. I hate writing. I hate having to be creative. So this took a lot out of me to write anything like this, and it's short. I just imagine, and it's just you know, it's it's a a b b c c, and it's we're in there, we're out. It's it's like a six line poem. I just imagine a ten year old Matt like <laughs> like scribbling down in a notebook, like a cigarette hanging out of his mouth, like his his elbow like uh, on on his desk, and his head in his hand, like what the fuck, what the fuck. <laughs> All the cruel, this is due like, tomorrow. Uh, wouldn't be pretty. I, I will just say, an overflowing ashtray of like basic like, lights. What, what year would that have been? I'm sorry, Nin- if y'all said that 1993, already. and I will say to to that end, and still now, like I loved watching the news. I still watch the news all the time. And <laughs> you know, this was in the the heyday of L.A. and gangs, and that's yeah. all you would see. <laughs> that's with, what I was just gonna know. ask. Is like what yeah. city in particular was Young Mac oh, Creel I, I really so don't know. fearful of? I don't know. <laughs> I think it was just I saw something on the news and I was like, man, it would stink to live there. Like you're just getting shot all the time. Young Matt Creel heard somebody playing and traffic. Yeah, somebody was playing the Chronic as they drove by on the street, and Young Matt Creel was like, uh, uh-uh, uh, I don't want 
any parts of no, that. No, sir. <laughs> can we can we find your yearbook photo from that year and put it on Patreon? Sure. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh man, I, we also have the the actual T from the yearbook of that of that poem. Yeah. <laughs> and it's yeah, very the, the project formatted. in its final form. Yes, um, but ten years old. I'm, I mean, I gotta say that's a pretty good poem for a ten year old. I'm not gonna lie. I can't. I can't sit here and say that ten year old Creole didn't have his shit on. Well, he was ten years old. He's not like a feral human. But I will say, uh, before <laughs> before better. we let the cat out of the bag, Sean was all. Sean was. You were head over heels on part A. He's feeling that poem. motherfucker. He was feeling well, that. Well, you know, I. Um, I think this is a poem that you guys came together and created today by putting yes, yeah, 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 two together. Yeah, 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 yeah. We have um, spoke this into being. <laughs> but yeah, I, uh, I I I like I like putting these two together. I, I think that um, you know, like I said, I think a real D nozzle uh, wrote the second part. <laughs> <laughs> son of a bitch! You son of a bitch! You drunken no, excuse me, not drunkenly. You hungoverly got up in front of us in that class and read the words "vacuum of masculinity." <laughs> You're gonna Whoa. look at me. You're gonna look at me. Look, You're gonna Xander, talk to me, <laughs> Xander from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Uh. Was a vacuum of masculinity. You don't like that term? I guarantee you, I use the like vacuum. I was using that term a lot. Like, did you use that like uh, <laughs> that sort of like a word play throughout your work? Like talking about how he sucked and he was dirty and he had a filter and a, he had a handle and an on button. Was a I, hose was I and an incredibly lengthy hose. Oh, um, I'm not gonna. I'm not going to reveal your secret. Secrets are no fun. I'm gonna say that you had a rough night before, and there were some ramifications you were dealing with. Oh man, rough time in all our lives. You yeah. guys had to read these papers out loud. We had to present our oh, thesis. Like, okay, gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. I think like I, I made a two ninety seven out of three hundred. Ooh, and Sean literally he literally just read it word for word. After that was our, our our professor's thing was like, whenever you're giving a speech, never get up and just read to the class. We know how to read, <laughs> but he, he had had no preparation time because of the prior evening, and he literally just stood up there and read it. I'll never forget it as long as I live. <laughs> oh my god! And I think it was supposed to be thirty pages, but it was like nineteen. Oh. Ooh, and you still got a 99? Look, I asked how long does it have to be, and they said, well, 30 pages, but it's h- however long it takes you to make the argument. And I'm like, 19. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> well, Hankins, I do have to ask, were, when you wrote your thesis, were you writing it just because, ah, it's a project I got to do, or did you like have some like passion behind the words and part? It was B? definitely a project that I had to do. Sure. Um, it was a movie yep. that I was in love with, just head over heels for, um, and I. It it seemed like a way that I could. I felt like I could make those arguments and believed enough in them to have them hold up. Um, gotcha. I did not have a complex about how small towns reviewed versus how big cities reviewed. I didn't care, <laughs> um, but I felt like it was. It was enough source material. It was something I could really sink my teeth into, and I could come out on the other side with a good grade and get out of college, which I needed to do at that point for damn near ten years. So, so my my question, and this is not a this is a judgment free zone. 
Yeah, of course. Oh, but. it's not a judgment-free zone because I'm here. So have at it, baby. Lord knows I've dished it out enough. I got to be able to take it. <laughs> what kind of human being, quote, <laughs> loves the movie Gummo? I hadn't heard of it till today. Gummo is a depressing fucking movie about it's a Nowheresville great. town it's that was destroyed by a tornado. And, and like, half. there is not one second in that movie that is not goddamn depressing. You're insane. Are there any That's, boobies in the movie? That, that so- Creel, you know what that sounds like to me? That sounds sound like, like a co- that sounds like a collective thumbing of the nose of, at a small town. It does. By it's the an elitist, elitist attitude. of a metropolis. Ah, oh, I lived in the capital. <laughs> I know what big city life is all about. All these hayseeds back there with their tornadoes. Oh, I mean, there's a there's, scene in Gummo where there's a young girl who's cut out a picture of of Bruce, uh, Bruce Reynolds. Um, uh, what is his name? Burt Burt Reynolds. Burt Reynolds. Um, who's cut out the mouth of a picture of Burt Reynolds and is holding yeah. it up to her mouth, uh-huh. and she's screaming, I want a mustache, damn it. I want a mustache, damn it. And then later on, when those girls are, uh, a, when an attempted sexual molester <laughs> comes around, they start screaming, he tried to touch your coochie. I don't know why I'm not supposed to laugh at that. Also, is the it a introduction. No, 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 it's not a comedy. Oh. Harmony Kareen Creel is the guy who, Wrote the screenplay for the movie Kids. Oh, the NC-17 Which is another movie. laugh riot. Yeah. Don't they all get AIDS or something Every, at the end? Well, yeah. Yeah. So it's it's in that vein. Um, but it was shot in Nashville, which so I knew a lot of the locales at the time. And um, it's just something that it was one of those deals where also the first introduction that most of, of my peer group had to the movie Gummo was actually in the the NOS and DMX movie Belly. They're watching a scene from Gummo. And I distinctly remember the scene is crazy. The Gummo there's a kid with rabbit ears. Like he has fake costume rabbit ears on his head like and he Louise just walks from uh, Bob's Burgers. Absolutely, exactly. And he walks around the town, and he he never has any speaking lines. He rarely interacts with any of the characters. He's just in the movie. I don't know. I never figured out what that part was about. Um, but he is encountered by these two redneck kids in a junkyard, and they're they're playing uh, cap guns. And they shoot him, and the fucking rednecks are going off, and they're cursing. I hate goddamn wabbits. Fucking wabbit. Uh, he he smells like a uh, uh, a. Um, uh, pejorative for Hispanic people, um, yeah, just a whole thing, and that that scene is in Belly, and so we're like, what the fuck just happened? As you're watching this stereotypical late '90s gangster movie, this thing pops up, and I remember being in hit video on Jordan Lane and hearing somebody say, "Oh, that's Gummo. That's that movie that's in Belly," and I was like, "Okay, I'm down to clown." And I watched it, and it was just one of those things that grabbed hold of me. And I just I also remember another night all being at my ancestral home, and several of me and my friends being in the back probably playing video games, and I hear my dad just cackling at something in the living room. And, I mean, he's just really fucking laughing his ass off. And I, I say, hold on, what is he watching? And I hear that it's Gummo. I'm like, all right, everybody stop what we're doing. We're going to watch Gummo. <laughs> and that was that's what passed as a family evening in the Hankins household. 
<laughs> so it was just one of those deals. I don't know. Um, you know, Krill, it's not Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I get it. It's not the cultural touchstone that is the right. Whedon verse. I understand. Sure, sure. More, more uh, evidence that he wrote retail, I might point out. Um, but yeah, that it was just a movie I loved, and I, I wanted to, to do that and knock it out. That seems fair. Season four of Buffy was uh. indeed a cultural touchstone. Uh. Mm-hmm. That was the season with Hush, where there's no word spoken the entire episode because the the, uh, the gentlemen come and steal everybody's voices. What a oh, novel idea! Just the yeah, way uh, the, the the work that those actors put in on that mm-hmm. on that episode alone. The musical episode I think was season four. Mm-hmm. Oh uh, my god! Mm-hmm. Take me away. Take me away, Buffy. He's so much better than us, Creel. He went to that big writer's workshop. We were just yeah. kids trying to bang out some words to get through an assignment. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Did you say writer's workshop? I hope I did. God, he I went hope to I did. a writer's workshop. <laughs> well, it All makes right. sense. My God. <laughs> so, yes. Creel and I have also written things, too. And I think we can all see the evidence is clear. We're mm-hmm. vastly superior. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't hear Sean use the term ideograph one fucking time <laughs> in any of his writings. Not a Don't damn even, Didn't even know what it meant until Mm-mm. today. Yeah. Perfect. That is, the, you just heard uh, the prose of someone who was graded perfect. Um, and it definitely didn't have anything to do with a lot of white guilt. That definitely did not have anything to do with my grade. Um, I earned it all on my own. And I got two wonderful star stickers on my paper. So there's that. I think the record speaks for itself. With that said, folks, we have an idea for a brand new segment on this show that we lovingly call Body Like a Back Road. Sean Majors, (laughs) tell the people what it is. Uh, this is something where we find a uh, shitty country song. Not, you don't have to look hard. Sometimes contemporary, sometimes not. And uh, I read it with about as much emotion as it deserves. <laughs> um, this says this took seven people to write Body Like a Back Road by Sam. Absolutely. Lawrence. Absolutely. How does it take more than one person to write something like this? Uh, you know, got to crack some eggs. You got a writing credit if you like change yeah, a couple yeah, words around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It, it, that's the Nashville machine. That's that's just how it works. Um, there's always a lot of people on the writing credits. Body like a back road by Sam Hunt. Sam Michael Hunt. I might want to point out. Got a girl from the south side, got braids in her hair. First time I've seen her walk by, man, I about fell out of my chair. Had to get her number, took me like six weeks. Now me and her go way back, like Cadillac seats. Body like back road, driving with my eyes closed. I know every curb like the back of my hand. Doing 15 and a 30, I ain't in no hurry. I'ma take it slow, just as fast as I can. The way she fit in them blue jeans, she don't need no belt. I can turn them inside out. I don't need no help. Got hips like honey. So thick, so sweet. Ain't no curves like hers on them downtown streets. We're out here in the boondocks with the breeze and the birds. Tangled up in the tall grass with my lips on hers. 
On the highway to heaven, headed south of her smile. <laughs> oh, God. Get there when we get there. Every inch is a mile. Body like a back road. Driving with my eyes closed. I know every curve like the back of my hand, doing 30 in the 15 and a 30. I ain't in no hurry. I'm going to take it slow. Just as fast as I can. That was pretty Wait. good because it rhymed and it had rhythm. That's mm-hmm. a whole mm-hmm. song? Let me ask y'all this. Um, when you are in Congress with a lady, are you often in a hurry to just turn her jeans inside out? Is that, is that a thing? I think jeans is spelled with a G. <laughs> yeah, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> the old pink sock. That I... I don't know what that means. We're not going to explain it here on the air. Uh, I I believe that's in the like you, you're t- you're ripping the jeans off, so you're Can like they... taking them down, so they they turn themselves inside out. Yeah, by but that means that you, by like, the time you get up. to her feet, you've got a you, the jeans are still on her feet, and you've got a completely inside out pair of jeans just dangling there. Yeah, um, that's not that's not sexy at all. Mm. That is not sexy. But no. I guess if you've got a body like a back road, things <laughs> things just change, man. The way she fit in them blue jeans, she don't need no belt. Mm-hmm. So she can shop appropriately for her size. Songwriters. Shane McNally. Shane McAnally. Shane L. McAnally. McAnally? Okay. Yeah. Josh Osborne, which I first... Maybe that's Joan Osborne's brother. Uh. <laughs> Sam Lowry Hunt. Lowry. Heir to the Lowry's seasoning for, fortune. Zachary Miller Crowell. Oh, it was only five. I don't know why Shane L. McAnally and Shane McAnally are both on there. <laughs> Maybe two son. different McAnallys. <laughs> and then Zachary Miller Crowell and Zach Crowell are both listed. Weird. That's, that is the Nashville way. One might have wrote some music, and one they might have wrote music and lyrics, and so they're actually getting double credits. Body like a back road. Genius. All right, so here now we're going to work the bit out on the air, Sean. So now okay. that you've started with body like a back road, right? Now sure. we're going to build out the the we're going to build out the coaching tree of this song. Okay. So okay. your task like next week is take one of those writers, Shane McEnany, <laughs> and you find. You find your next body like a back road, and we see where this leads us. And my prediction is, at some point, it's going to take us to some songwriter that at least half this podcast loves. Uh, Tomorrow, or next week, I'm sorry. Next week will be, I'm already telling you, something by Darius Rucker. I'm already telling you something is the name of the song. Huh? What's the name of the song? Uh, I'll, I'll oh, find something, gotcha, but gotcha, it will gotcha. be by Darius Rucker. Gotcha. Darius Carlos Rucker. That's did not see that coming. Did not Me either see that coming. Sean, you want to talk to the patrons about something? Uh, yeah, guys. Uh, hey, thanks for listening, and thanks for supporting us on Patreon. Uh, for those who don't already support us on Patreon, uh, you can do so at p a t r e o n dot com slash ttf. Uh, we've got some, uh, some stuff cooking up for, for our, uh, our supporters and, uh, gosh, we're just so happy you're here with us today. Whether or not you're a supporter, 
on Patreon, the fact that you're listening. Tell your friends, but don't tell them you, like, know us. Like, tell mm-hmm. your friends, like, hey, I got this podcast. You got to listen to it. And, and just like, say they're look, dope as hell. And look really shifty, like you're about to, like, sell them a fake Rolex in an alleyway. <laughs> and then rip open your trench coat to reveal that you're wearing nothing. And then tell them you got a line on some killer mashed potatoes. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash T-T-F. Well, folks, we've done it again. Krill and I have proved ourselves superior, and there's really no debate about mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for joining us on a superior edition no of Cold Dog Soup. That's what sets a poet free. I've had all the freedom I can stand. You got your cold dog soup and rainbow pie. All it takes to get me by. Fool my belly till the day I die. Cold dog soup and rainbow pie.